What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports, the first edition in 2024. And uh, the co-host, Matt McFeely, uh, choosing to use some of his PTO days early on in 2024, taking a night off. We all deserve one, rightfully so. Uh, Brandon taking his spot. So you know what that means. Definitely a very basketball-heavy episode. Want to get into some of the R.J. Barrett trade. Uh, Going to go around the league. Definitely talk some ball. Uh, there's a lot of twists and turns that have already happened in this NBA season and a lot more to be played. So definitely a lot to cover there. And then, of course, Week 18, some huge matchups in the NFL. Uh, playoffs on the line for many teams. And we're going to break it down for you. So uh, no McFeely, but Brandon, how you doing today? Doing great. Happy to be back on the podcast. Been a while, but uh, always excited to do this. Yeah, it's 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 always good because, you know, the basketball season is just so long and there's so much that goes on. And like you feel like I feel like we're at the point now where, you know, I'm looking at the Lakers. They, they're 17 and 17. And I think last time I spoke to you, we were talking about how good they were. And now I think we're just going to talk about, you know, how mid they are and what they need to do to improve. So uh, definitely a lot has changed. But we're going to we're going to put basketball off for a little bit. I think the the forefront of this this sports scene right now is definitely week 18 in the NFL and all of the scenarios that have come about uh, this week definitely is a lot of teams are, are going to have, I don't want to say organizational shifting games, but uh, there's definitely some, some things that might, might happen and might not happen this week that could change the outlook for years to come for many teams. And uh, let's, we should definitely break it down. So let's, let's, let's talk about, the first thing I want to talk about, I guess we can just go in chronological order. Saturday is a monster in the NFL. Saturday, you have the Steelers and the Ravens at 430. Ravens with nothing to play for. Steelers with everything to play for. Followed by the Texans and the Colts. Uh, with That's a win and in right there. And, and, and Brandon, I'll ask you this. Of the teams that are, are on the, the fringe, right, the teams that are maybe – either the, the seven seed or kind of on the outside looking in, who do you think has the most realistic shot to make some noise in this NFL playoffs? Uh, I guess I would probably lean to, this is going to pain me to say, but a team on the, are you considering the Bills on the fringe? They, at, to me, they're on the fringe, yes. Okay, then the Bills. The Bills definitely um, okay. The Bills have the widest range of outcomes for Sunday. They can miss the playoffs or they could be the two seed. Um, Crazy. They're in a very weird situation at 10 and six. They don't, they have no one but themselves to blame. They took some bad losses in the middle of the season, fired their OC, but they've looked really good offensively since that firing. Um, They're definitely the best team that's on the fringe. But if I'm talking about the other teams, like if, I'm, if I had to choose between the Steelers, the Colts and the Texans who are like really like those fringe teams, it pains me to say the Steelers. I think so. Too. Well, I, you know me and how much I gas up Mike Tomlin. But I think, you know, very fair to say the Bills for sure. They, they've kind of been there. They're 10 and 6. I mean, Josh Allen is – they're just a team that I don't think anyone would want to see in the playoffs. But you're right. They, they kind of put themselves in this position where, you know, there's a world where they can miss the playoffs, uh, you know, after this week. And I think they have not, they would have no one to blame, but themselves for getting off to such a poor start. Um, so for the bills, let, let's, let's start there. Well, I guess we'll start in the AFC bills against the dolphins for an absolute monster matchup. Uh, that's Sunday. And if the bills win, they win the uh, AFC East. And if they lose 
again, there there's a possibility. Again, there's a lot of different permutations. We're not going to go over every single one, but there's a way that the Bills don't make the playoffs. But more than likely, the Bills will be in. They they will reach the playoffs with uh, if they tie, if Pittsburgh loses, J- Jacksonville loses, or the Colts and Texans end in a tie. So any of those can happen, or they just can win, and the Bills will be in. So more likely than not, the Bills will be in. So now, uh, you know, Sam, it's crazy you say that, but like, if they don't beat the Dolphins, the Steelers are favored against the are the Steelers the favorite against the Ravens backups? So to, it's crazy because like, I don't I'm I'm pulling up the the odds right now, but it's crazy that, you know. Mike Tomlin is going to find him. They are favorited. Mike Tomlin is going to find himself in a scenario where, you know, if you told Mike Tomlin you had to go into Baltimore against their backups to make the playoffs, I mean, you almost do you sign for that? Like they're going to be ten and seven. That's going to be the worst ten and seven team I've ever seen. But they have Mike Tomlin. Yeah, some bad ten and seventeen, but they also lost some games I thought they could have won. Um they are the most interesting football team around. They're on their third quarterback who probably ends up being the best quarterback on their team this year in Mason yes. Rudolph. Um, if the Bills don't make the playoffs, if the Steelers beat the Ravens, which they're favored, and the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Titans, which they're also favored. Um, assuming yes, Jackson all very likely. So, like, the Bills kind of have to go out there and do their job and get the win. And, listen, I've been a big Bills supporter all year. I think they're a team that plays up or down to the level of their competition. The last two weeks, they've survived against the Chargers' last-second field goal. And then, even though Bailey Zappi throws four interceptions, they only win by six. Granted, could have won by multiple scores. They were inside the five and were kneeing the ball to end the game. Um, But they got to go into Miami on a Sunday night with – the AFC East championship on the line and you have to go out there and get a win. Yeah. And, and I, I think that, you know, for, for the bills, please correct me if you disagree, but what a disappointment it would be for them to miss the playoffs. Oh, a thousand percent. It would, it, it would be, and that's kind of what I, I wanted to lead into with, you know, if you're the bills and you make the playoffs, I think a lot of people would agree that you're, you're most likely going to make some noise, right? You're going to get, you're going to find yourself in a matchup with, you might end up in a matchup against the, uh, you know, the Chiefs in in Kansas City, which that could have very well been the AFC Championship this year. Or you could find yourself on the outside looking in with two teams ahead of you that are, I think, a lot of people would agree are just not as good of football teams. As you in in uh, in the Colts, the Texans, the the Steelers. I mean, there's. I think the Bills are better than those teams, but again. Yeah. It just shows that every week matters, really. Like, you know, the week four matchup, I don't know if they play, but the week four matchup that the Bills lose is, you know, if they won that game, if they won one game, if they win against the Jets in, in on opening night, they're probably, they might be resting their starters this week. Yeah, they, they have a lot of losses with it. If they were to miss the playoffs, they would look back on some of those losses, like against the Jets week one, against Denver at home. Um, They lost to... The Bengals without Joe, uh, with with Joe Burrow without Joe Burrow, I don't remember. Um, also lost to the Patriots. Like they've lost, they lost to the Jaguars in London. Like they had some bad losses, um, yeah. and some really convincing wins against some good football teams. They've been an up and down football team all year. They lost all pros at three levels in the defense, and their defense is playing really well right now. Offense running the ball a lot better. If they get in, they're a scary team. But if they lose and the Steelers and Jaguars win, they're on the outside looking in. 
Yeah, and uh, let, let's let's talk about the Jaguars for a second because you mentioned them a couple times there. Where are you at with them? Because I know, you know, me, you know, and I've kind of been on this the podcast talking about how I'll say how low I am on the Jaguars to be nice. But where are you at with them? And, you know, let's just assume Trevor Lawrence plays this game. Is there a world where they they don't win in, you know, in, against a, a Tennessee team that isn't really impressive whatsoever and has nothing to play for? Yeah, listen, uh, the only thing I'd be afraid of um, Jacksonville is Mike Vrabel at home as an underdog. Um, Very good in that spot. But listen, this is a this is like I'm not going to say it's a make or break game for Trevor Lawrence's career. But if Trevor Lawrence goes out there this week and loses this game, um, it's it's a blemish. It's uh, I don't even know. It would would be a huge stinger and it would definitely make Jacksonville have to think about what they're going to do for the future a little bit. Trevor Lawrence has played very up and down this season, more downs than ups. Um, the defense has carried them to most of their wins, the running game as well. Travis Etienne's been a lot better this year. Um, I, if they lose to Tennessee and lose out on making the playoffs, they're going to ruin a lot of division favorite parlays and they're going to have to rethink this Trevor Lawrence thing going forward. I, I, and look, you know me, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, so for the, for the Jaguars, Jaguars, are, they win and they're in simple as that. Um, if they tie plus a Indianapolis and Houston tie, blah, blah, that's not two ties is going to happen. Although I just want to get this out in air. If there's a week with all the parody in the NFL and all of the, you know, however, and says it's so scripted, if there's a week for there to be a very meaningful tie, this is the week in the NFL, just putting that, that out in the air. I'm not, I'm not going to go pinpoint a game that might end in a tie. That would be crazy. But, uh, if there's a week, this is the week that this the the a game ends in a tie and it's very meaningful. Um, so the 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 Jaguars can clinch uh, a division, uh, clinch the AFC South with a win or uh, a Houston Indianapolis tie. They can clinch a playoff berth with uh, at the least a tie or a, just a Pittsburgh loss. Um, so oh. I mean, or sorry, they a Jacksonville tie plus a plus a Pittsburgh loss. Um, or a Pittsburgh loss plus a Denver loss and Indy and Houston doesn't end in a tie, which could possibly happen. Yeah, uh, Denver. So we can we can look at Denver, too. I mean, Denver uh, this week. Can Denver make the playoffs? Uh, no, I think Denver is mathematically no, Denver's eliminated. eliminated. Yeah, but I'm looking for their game right now. Um, Denver played – they play the Raiders. They play the Raiders. So, um, well, I mean, I guess they can't be mathematically eliminated if they're – if they they have some sort of sway here, no. No, their sway is probably like uh, a division, like a division record, or yeah, something, maybe? a conference record, strength wow. of schedule type of thing. Yeah. Wow, interesting. <laughs> I didn't even like see that when I was going through uh, prior to prior to the show. Wow, that's kind of crazy that it all all falls there. Um, and then I guess we can kind of talk about um, the 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 matchup. To me, this this is the matchup of the night, and I think that. Uh, for both of these teams, to me, I think it's overachieving for both of these teams. But th- this Texans Colts matchup, it's it's pretty much winning in, right? Or it is, it is winning in. But uh, you know, who would you be more? Who's the more disappointing one to take the loss here? The the Texans with a young phenom and CJ Stroud and a bunch of injuries, or the Colts who have kind of been piecing it together and dealing with a lot of injuries themselves? Who's who would be more disappointed to lose that game? I don't think either. I mean, I think both teams would be disappointed. And I think both teams, if you like told them, 
you're going to play for the, a, a playoff spot in the last week of the season, winning your end. Both of these rookie head coaches would sign up for it. Um, I guess who would be most disappointed? I, I guess the Colts. Yeah, but, they would be home. Yeah, I guess if you lose at home in this in this spot, you're a little more disappointed. But th- this is a this is going to be a really good game. Houston, CJ Stroud, really good defense. Rookie court, rookie head coach against the Colts with Minshew. Pittman, Jonathan Taylor. Oh, this is a good game. It's it's pretty much a coin flip in terms of uh, gambling. So yeah, look, I think I I've said this from time and time again. I I like every week I look at the Colts record and I'm like, how the heck are they nine and seven? Like to me, they're just like I watch them. You know, they have Jonathan Taylor, they have Pittman. Their I think their quarterback play is is been very uh, wishy washy to say the least this entire season. They've had some unbelievable wins. Uh, the, I think there was one, you know, Gardner Minshew game. I think people will, will call it. Um, but I, and then the other side for the Texans, I mean, CJ Stroud is is uh, he's here, right? If he's in his first year at nine and seven, I'm I'm honestly going to pick the Texans to probably win that division next year. Yeah, yeah. With if assuming they bring back all their guys and they all they're all healthy and they continue to, I guess, add in free agency in the draft or whatnot, but. I like the Texans for the future, and I think, I think if, if if you're if you're you know a Texans fan, or if you are just rooting for the Texans or C.J. Stroud, maybe uh, uh, just I don't know, just a football fan that likes to see the the young young players do well. I think even if the Texans lose this game and don't make the playoffs, I the future is couldn't be more bright for the Texans. Yeah, no. Listen, both teams are 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 happy to be here, but not just happy to be here. They both want to. They they both think that if they get in the playoffs, that they can probably beat someone in the first round. Um, I think if either of these teams is the four seed and they have to play the Cleveland Browns, that is an interesting matchup for any of these AFC South teams that could win the tight uh, the division. And then if you're the three seed, you have to play against the Miami or uh, Buffalo. Or like the, it's going to be a lot of good games in the first round. I'm leaning to the Texans in this game. I I think I am as well. Honestly, I I think that uh, you know C.J. Stroud, no no stranger to I guess big games. We'll say going back to I guess college, but uh, I, I think he's. I just like the Texans more, and I, I think in a, in a coin toss like this, I'm I'm taking the the better quarterback, and I'll, I'll go I'll go with Stroud there. Um, let's let's transition over to the to the NFC. Um, we'll start at the top here. We started kind of at the bottom there for the AFC, but the the Cowboys are eleven and five. You know me, gassing up the Cowboys left and right always. Um, they find themselves in a scenario where they can clinch the NFC East with a win. Um, they can clinch with a double tie between them and Philly, or a Philly loss. Um, the Cowboys play at Washington on Sunday. Uh, I would, I mean. Not for nothing. This this game should be over before it starts, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I think Dallas should go in there determined to win the NFC East and get, like you said, get this done before it starts, be up by 20-plus at halftime, cruise to a 25-point win, and walk out there, hopefully injury-free, ready to um, host two playoff games. Yeah, and look, you know, it, it's no secret to anyone, definitely no secret to you or I, because we, we speak about this all the time on the side, but the the Cowboys, I don't know if there's a team in football that the home field advantage means more than the Cowboys. No, they play, yeah, their home away splits are definitely uh, 
very big margins between the two uh, at times this season. Uh, they're a different offense when they're at home, and their defense definitely plays above their head when the crowd is energizing them and um, giving them extra life. So Dallas now being in the a- NFC East driver's seat thanks to a bad Philly loss last week to the Cardinals. Um, the, the, Dallas now can make some noise and now really has a, a it has me thinking that they could potentially play in the NFC title game. Yeah, and I think that, that anything realistically – Look, I don't know if this is just me speaking too highly of them or thinking too highly of them, but I think a lot of Cowboy fans and I just think a lot of football fans would agree that, you know, anything less than playing in the NFC Championship for the Cowboys kind of is a failure, no? Yeah, I mean, you're the two seed, so you should be, in theory, playing in the NFC title game. I'm saying, like, you know, go back to week one, right? You're you're probably, if you're a Cowboy fan, you're thinking we you're better thinking one seed to win the championship. Yeah, like the, the realistically, I don't think. I mean, stunned. I'll throw the word stunned around a lot, but if the, if the Cowboys win the NFC, I don't know if people would be like totally floored by it. No, they wouldn't be floored by it. They'd probably be like, "Wow, the Cowboys actually got over the hump and won." Yeah, it, that exactly. That that would be more more of the reaction than you know being like, "Wow, no way, the Cowboys actually did." Yeah, because it's definitely not no way. Like they're one of the three best teams in the conference. They've beaten two of the three other. Two of the three top four teams, obviously, they got smoked by the Niners, um, which I think would be a tall task if that's who they were playing in the NFC title game. But, yeah, I think the Cowboys' realistic expectation right now is that they win both home playoff games and have to go to San Fran for a title game. Yeah, and then so uh, the flip side of that, the NFC East, the Eagles, uh, they are playing at MetLife on Sunday. Um, That is going to be a, uh, let me say, contentious crowd there for sure. The Giants are trying to play spoiler to the the Eagles, who I can just picture all the Eagles fans going into MetLife and just being like, oh, we're going to be in the playoffs and you're not. And then I would love to see the Giants knock off the Eagles, really. Not not knock them out because they're already in the playoffs, but if the Giants could beat the Eagles in MetLife to just end the season, and I don't think anyone would care about their draft position if they, you know, they beat the Eagles, ultimately lose the the, uh the home field advantage, and then ultimately lose in the playoffs. I think Giant fans would be smiling from cheek to cheek if that was what happened. Yeah, no, many Giant fans would. Um, They're going to end up probably being the five seed as long as Dallas takes care of business. And they're going to have to go on the road the entire playoffs, which if you told me three weeks ago or four weeks ago that the Eagles would be the five seed, I would – I mean, Jalen Hurts was basically the MVP favorite five or six weeks ago. So um, crazy how the season goes – in six weeks, they were nine and one. Now they're eleven and five. Um, if they don't fix their defense, they are going to be a first round exit. If they have to play the Baker Mayfield led Buccaneers in the first round, wow, um, that's a that's a prediction. Now, nah, I mean, like, listen, their defense is really spotty, and their D line is not creating the pressure that it needs to um, to help out that secondary. They're very beat up in the secondary, and the offense has not been as fluid, and really only works when the run game is working. So. Um, them going have to go have to go on the road for three straight playoff games to win the NFC is going to be a tall task for them. I'm not high on the Eagles right now, as you can tell. Can't, well, I I don't think, and honestly, I don't think anyone should be. They they've had some really really rough losses. I mean, that's it's not even an rough opinion. losses and not even good wins. Like the wins yeah. they've the games they've won, they've won it by the skin of their teeth. They didn't play well in the game. They just found a way to win. Which sometimes for a great team, you just find a way to win, but. Right now, it's not looking like they can find ways to win, as we saw this past Sunday. And 
uh, you know, I don't want to uh, tell me, please tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like, and I think not just from what you've said just now, but what you've said in the past, sounds like you're a little bit of a closet Baker guy. I don't hate Baker Mayfield. He's played pretty well. I, this I, I, I can tell. I've, I've heard what you've said in the past about him and like the, the Bucks, And I, I, I think you've, I mean, very rightfully so, I've spoken up Mike Evans, but I, I take you as a Baker guy. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I've always, I always liked his, like, I don't know, I guess, like, his charisma on the field. Yeah. Like, he just oh, yeah, wants he definitely, it. He just definitely wants it more than a lot of other guys. Like, his his career was basically on the line, and he had a 99-yard drive with the Rams last season to, like, prove that he could still play in the league. And the Bucks gave him a chance. I don't know if you remember, uh, during training camp, there were, there were videos of, like, him and Kyle Trask both, like, being terrible in camp and people were so worried. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know he played horrible this week. For some reason, the Saints just own the Bucks, but they have a chance to go out there and win the division this week. So, yeah. And then on the flip side of that, I can't believe I'm even saying this, but uh, the Falcons at seven and nine are still very much alive. Uh, Atlanta will clinch the NFC South with um, a win and the Tampa Bay loss. So um, you get Atlanta versus the Saints. Uh, so huge division matchup there, but let's, I don't even want to get too much into it because the Bucks play the Panthers this week in Carolina. I, it would, I would be stunned if the Bucks don't win that game. Stunned. Carolina is sneaky at home. I'm not going to say they're going to win the game yeah, because man. they're not a good football team, but you know how division matchups go. I think it was what, two years ago, Carson Wentz Colts were like six point favorites went into, went into Jacksonville and Jacksonville beat them 24 to six or something like that. Like, and then they didn't make the playoffs because of yeah. it. So it's, these division matchups in Week 18, sometimes they give you, like, division championship games, like Bills versus Dolphins, and, like, playoff winning ends in Texans versus Colts. But sometimes you get the fourth-place team in the division who just decides that they're going to play spoiler to someone in Week 18. Yeah, so, I mean, so looking at it now, the that, that Saints and uh, Falcons matchup, if the those those are both at one o'clock as well as the the bucks also at one o'clock so everyone in that division is playing at one o'clock so yeah. there, there might be some a little bit of scoreboard watching here and there but i like the fact that the nfl does that where they kind of put them at the same time to kind of ensure the competitive edge and I, I like that i think it's a good touch yeah the um, nfc east teams are all playing at 425 yeah that's it's it's very smart and very good very good job of the schedule makers um as for as for the, the the rest of the NFC, I mean, you're looking at the the Seahawks and the Packers and, and even the Vikings very much alive. So the Vikings play at Detroit uh, Sunday one o'clock. Vikings clinch a playoff berth with a win, a Green Bay loss, and a. I can't even. I I want to say they very need everyone. Alive. They need Green Bay, Seattle, and Tampa to lose, or Green Bay, Seattle, and New Orleans to lose. Like they're Crazy. in a. They have to win, and then they need a lot of help. They need the most would, help of anyone. I would love to, like, not that I'm rooting for the Vikings, but I would love to see, like, if there were live odds for them to make the playoffs, what those would be. Yo, I wouldn't be shocked if FanDuel had those. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they do. I, I might have to go partake in them after, uh, after the show, but that's just as a fun thing to root for, just like the absolute chaos of Week 18, just blowing everything up. Um, as for the Packers, Packers play Chicago Sunday, four 30, um, Packers clinch a playoff berth with a win. They yeah, pretty much wow. are winning in. Um, they also can get some help from Seattle loss, uh, Tampa Bay loss. There, there's a lot of different permutations there for the Packers, but, uh, playing versus at home against Chicago, 
for the playoffs, you know Lambeau will be up for that. And and honestly, I've I've liked what I've seen out of Jordan Love, not necessarily the Packers as a whole per se, but I I would like to see the Packers play, you know, a meaningful game with Jordan Love, just see what he's got. Yeah, no, this is a very meaningful game. I think Aaron Rodgers was on McAfee this week and said that it's like the, it's going to be Chicago's Super Bowl because oh, yeah. they can make the playoffs. And what more would they love to do? Would finally get that first win against Green Bay for the first time in God knows how long, um, and knock them out of the playoffs in the process. Um, would definitely be their Super Bowl. I like Green Bay. I've always been a Jordan Love guy since like for the last year and a half or so. I've been on that he's going to be a good quarterback. A lot so because he's in a good spot with a good, a good a offensive-minded coach in the floor. But the receivers finally have matured a little bit. And the defense was really good early on, been a little struggling as of late, but played really well in Minnesota this past week. So uh, hopefully they can take care of business because I want to see Green Bay in the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I, I'll second that. Um, and, and then for, uh, I guess, our last team here, uh, the Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks can get in with uh, by winning and then a Green Bay loss. Uh, they play at Arizona on Sunday. And, look, I'll say this. Arizona coming off a big win against the Eagles, a huge up, maybe the biggest upset of the year. Um, I think Arizona wins this game. <laughs> I mean, they're only two-and-a-half-point uh, two dogs at home. So, that's yeah. definitely not a, a wild statement. But they definitely have the ability to win this game. They have nothing to lose. It's the last game of the year. Last game for a lot of guys to put, tape on, uh, put uh, stuff on tape for hopefully their next contract. And um, Seattle hasn't looked good lately, and they've struggled to close out games and win games. Even against the Titans, they struggled and barely won that one. So um, Seattle's not trending in the right direction. A few weeks ago, they probably would have controlled their own destiny going into this week, and instead they need help. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, I'll, I, I've said this in the past, and I, I, I guess I've been painted out to be a Geno Smith hater, but oh, okay. I, I, look, Last year was great. He won the comeback player of the year last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. Great. Cool story. I I never bought into the Geno Smith is all of a sudden a franchise quarterback yeah. bandwagon. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, they, I like their team. I'm actually a very big Pete Carroll fan. I think he's great. I, I would like to see uh, a better quarterback um, in Seattle over Geno Smith personally yeah i mean he's 32 33 years old at this point he's got two years left on a deal they're probably gonna be looking to put a, a actual young quarterback behind him this year maybe a transition guy he's definitely just a transition guy but played really well last year and deserved the contract that he got um but it's definitely been a very up and down year for him as a quarterback got injured missed a couple games drew lock actually won a game against philadelphia um yeah but, that uh, was a crazy game Crazy game, crazy finish. But uh, um, so, right, yeah. I mean, right now, if, if we're looking at it, uh, a lot of it, there's there's definitely a lot that can change. And then not going to get into any sort of NFL draft talk, but there's just about as much that can change in the, you know, top 10 of the draft as there is in the the top of the league for the playoffs. There is There can be a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of teams that are trying to play spoiler this week, like the Giants, that uh, are that find themselves in uh, again a spoiler spot? Can the Jets finally go into New? This is a might be a meaningless game, but the Jets going to New England, uh, they never play well there. Could the Patriots pick up a uh, very much not needed win against the Jets 
and then the Jet ultimately increased the Jets draft pick. Uh, there's a lot to watch. I mean, again, you said the Panthers sneaky good at home. If they get a if they get a win, do they find themselves uh, falling in their draft stock? There's there's so many storylines in this uh, in you know a, a week 18 that otherwise would have been you know uh, that there, there's been I feel like there's been week 18s or week 17s in the past where a lot of a lot of guys are sitting and it's just kind of like a let's get to the playoffs finally. But there's a lot that can change and a lot that will change uh, via the results of week 18 and. I'll just say props to the NFL and props to the the schedule makers for uh, putting the schedule together like this, where we're going to have a Saturday full of meaningful games and then multiple games on Sunday uh, that will have the utmost meaning uh, going forward. Yeah, no, there's only like three. I think there's only three or four games where there's like really not anything like involved with the game for the playoffs. But like you said, like the Giants can be have I think if everything falls right, the Giants can finish with the fifth pick in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. There's so. and there's definitely there's definitely again and then for the bottom half of the draft, I mean or or the the upper end of the draft, I mean you're looking at uh the, the Cardinals pick, what ends up happening there. Uh you're looking at the commanders. Are the commanders uh gonna finish season with like a top five pick possibly uh, the Panthers, they're two and fourteen, but uh, they can't really change much. But you never know; it's it's a tough, uh, gonna be an interesting week to watch. And uh, I'm I'm all bought in. So no McFeely means that we we're not gonna give our picks just yet. They're not gonna be out until uh, I, I release the graphic. Um, Brandon, I don't know if you have your uh, your guest pick off the top of your head, but is there anything that jumps out to you that you want to get out on air that that uh, you want to use as your guest pick for the week? Um, I don't, I, I really honestly don't like know the lines like that. I'll go on FanDuel real quick. I know I like, listen, if it, the, I know the Texans game is a pick em. I would probably lean to the home, honestly, like I want the Texans to win, but I would lean to the home team just because a lot of rookies, a lot of young players on that Texans team. Um, Tank Dell has been a huge loss to that offense. Um, I would probably lean Colts in that game. And in the NFL, I like the Bills to take care of business. Dolphins haven't looked great to me lately. Um, I guess my official pick would be Packers at home minus three versus the Bears. Wow. Okay. That's I like I like that too. And again, I'm I'm not gonna give mine uh no McFeely, so we'll uh, we'll have that out later in the week. Um again, no Thursday matchup, so we have a little bit of time to to really think about our picks here. Uh, for as we're, I think he has like a three point lead on me in the, in the pick segment. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. We're, we're getting down to the nitty gritty here. We're going to, we're going to continue it through the playoffs as well. Uh, a little bit, obviously changing up the format. We'll have a final Super Bowl pick and we'll probably do like a Jeopardy style, uh, wagering system with the Super Bowl picks. Um, so, or like a final Jeopardy sort of deal. So we'll get into all of that, but, um, yeah, big week ahead for the NFL. Um, and then, Hard transition over. If you're a Nick fan, what a week to be a Nick fan. Uh, a huge trade that I definitely want to jump right into. Um, RJ Barrett and uh, Emmanuel quickly and a second round pick headed to the Toronto Raptors for OG Ananobi, Malachi Flynn, and Precious Ochua. I, I've, you know, I posted a, a TikTok and Instagram reel about some of my thoughts. I want some of your initial thoughts on on that pick for and or that trade and what it means for the Knicks, what it means for the Raptors, and I guess that that's kind of the the first uh, domino to fall here in trade season in the NBA. 
Yeah, we were together when this trade dropped. Um, In the moment, we said it was a loss, but now when you look back on it, it really isn't. It it might just be a good trade for both teams at the moment, but we'll find out in two or three years who it was really better for. Um, On the Raptors side of things, they get a young, fresh, exciting point guard in Emmanuel Quickly, who I think finally will step into a starting role. And you get Canada's own R.J. Barrett back in Canada. Maybe he'll be more comfortable. It'll unlock something new in his game. Maybe, I don't know, new, new, uh, a new scenery for a guy can change things. He won't be playing for Tibbs anymore. Um, the reason why this is a good trade for the Knicks is because they weren't playing R.J. Barrett in crunch time anyway. And IQ and Jalen Brunson are both two small guards. And we've seen time and time again in the NBA, two small guard lineups don't win. So... They traded players that they don't play in crunch time for a player that they can do a lot with in crunch time in OG Ananobi. Great defensive player, great instincts for the game, uh, over 40% three-point shooter. He'll be he'll be wide open when Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle suck in the defense. Um, and I think it's a good trade for them. Yeah, and and you're right. We Our initial reaction was, oh, my God, they got rid of RJ. You know, he's their third pick, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, quickly – uh, just coming off, uh, you know, could be a six man of the year any given year, I think. But yeah, you're, you're right. Look, uh, for RJ Barrett, let, let's be real. It was never going to happen here in New York, right? He was he was always going to be the third player in a two person draft um, uh, with Zion and Ja uh, ahead of him. And look, he showed his flashes. He even in the beginning of the season, he was he was playing very very well. Looked like he hit a little bit of a uh, a. Uh, I guess a bump in the road, you can say. I think he had some sort of like migraine or headache issues a couple of weeks ago uh, that kind of really altered his game. And I'm happy for him. You know, he goes back home to a team that he's rooted for his whole life. And, and even just in the intro video, uh, when they they uh, he played his first game as a Raptor, it seemed like the crowd got behind him. It seemed like they're gonna they're gonna root for him. And look, uh, maybe he's just one of those guys. I talk about this with the Yankees all New York sports teams. And maybe he's just one of those guys that is going to go to a, a Toronto team and play just better just because it's not New York. Yeah, no, you definitely said it right there. RJ could definitely unlock something with uh, this Toronto team. I could also see them trading Pascal Siakam. So that would open up even more opportunity for RJ to expand even more on his offensive game and maybe become the playmaking type of a second guy on a championship level team that maybe he can become. He's only 23 years old. I think he still has some growth to do for sure. Um, but Toronto's got a nice, a nice little young squad now over there. Um, I'm not sure this is going to help them make the, make more noise or I think it kind of brings them towards more of a youth movement, but staying like relative. And I put that in quotes while also being in like a transition phase. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I mean, they have a guy like Scotty Barnes, also a young young player. Even even if they wanted to, like you know, hold on to Siakam, I think they'll definitely he'll, he'll be a name that floats around in trade talks for sure. Uh, I even I have him. We'll talk about the Lakers later on, but I even said that if the Lakers could muster up a package for Siakam, I think that would be a great piece for the Lakers. Um, but we'll we'll get there. Let let's stick to the Knicks for a second. We kind of just spoke about the Raptors and the impact there, but. What do you see this as for for the Knicks and, and kind of getting to the on court of it? 
I mean, OG Ananobi guards one through uh, one through four at an elite level. He can hit the three. He's been shooting three very well uh, this season uh, and actually been getting better every season, which is always a good, good thing. And then uh, for as far as contractually, OG Ananobi's, I think he has one more year left on his deal after this, opposed to the, the big deal that the Knicks just signed RJ Barrett to. So they rid themselves of, uh, of some money tied up, a lot of cap flexibility now with a lot of draft picks. The Knicks are in a good spot to make a big move. Do they make that big move? Do they need to make a big move? What does OG mean to the Knicks and the Knicks' future? I, uh, OG Ananobi, very good player. What does he mean to the Knicks' future? I think he means that they are definitely in the business of trying to make the team better and not just staying as like this fourth and fifth team in the East. Um, they have a lot of ammo that they can go after a big, a, a big fish with. But the one thing I'll say about that is I feel like RJ was probably their most valuable trade piece, young trade piece. So they gave that away for OJ Anobi, who is a good player, but I'm not sure that the ceiling of the team really, um, got much higher with the win. I think I still have them ranked below the top teams in the East, but it may make them more competitive in the final five. They have more games. They play in the final five with a better five out there. Cause you replace OG for whoever they had out there, like Grimes or someone. Um, do they trade Randall for a big move? I'm not really sure who's out there right now with the play in and kind of the, the depth of the league in terms of talent. There's not going to be many superstars that are on the move. I feel like this trade deadline, um, if Siakam doesn't get dealt, then it could be it could be a quieter trade deadline. So I'm not sure the Knicks are going to make that splashy move in season. Yeah, and you know I think that the biggest thing here is you're right. I think that the the big move that they're going to look to make, and look, I think they're going to call around. Like I think that the Knicks will definitely oh, for sure tap into you know what what the uh, the Cavs are thinking. They're definitely going to they're going to tap into what the the Minnesota Timberwolves are thinking as far as. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, perhaps. I believe uh, Shams reported that they already kind of have uh, ventured into that, uh, those trade talks. And, and, you know, nothing has really come about, very preliminary talks. But um, I think that the, the Knicks are very well poised to make a big move for sure. And I think that getting rid of the RJ contract definitely makes it even more viable. They have a whole bunch of draft uh, pieces, uh, draft capital that they can definitely move around as well. And then, you know, on the floor, realistically, whether if you want to admit it or not, if you're a Knicks fan, they upgraded the starting five while, I guess, decreasing their bench productivity. Uh, I mean, Precious Ochua, Malachi Flynn are not, I wouldn't say throw-ins to this deal, but they're not, you know, they're nothing really to write home about. They're they're good pieces on the bench, seventh, eighth guys coming off the bench. But, uh, I mean, does this mean that Quentin Grimes is now going to see expanded minutes? Does this mean that Deuce McBride's going to see expanded minutes? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the rotations are like for the Knicks off the bench now that they lost perhaps one of the most uh, valuable bench pieces in the entire league. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a new rotation for them. They're going to have to figure out what works. Did they just sign McBride to like a small, like... Yeah, they extended uh, him. They extended him to like a small long-term deal. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I guess that means he's probably going to play a little bit more for them because they're going to need to fill out that rotation. But like I said, um, like you said, I think Tibbs is a guy who plays his starters and best players a lot of minutes. So it might not, you might not see that much difference in the rotation. It's kind of just whoever takes up those minimal minutes that are available. 
Um, yeah, and there's not but- going to be many because, like you said, he, you know, he's going to play Jalen Brunson, you know, near 40 minutes a night. He's going to play Julius Randle near 40 minutes a night. OG Ananobi, all, you know, all reports are when, when he got to New York, they literally said, look, you're going to play. Like, whether you want to believe it or not, like, we don't believe in minute restrictions over here. Like, Thibs is not roll with that. He wants his best five out there as long as they can go and be productive. And, I, you know, if, if he's down for that and he's, and he's going to be able to sustain the level of play that we've seen in, I guess, you know, his earlier leg of his career with uh, the Raptors and he can keep that up for the Thibs minutes, I'll call it. I'm I'm all in, and even from game one, right? They they get a very impressive win against the Timberwolves. Uh, game one meaning game one with OG Ananobi, where he was guarding Anthony Edwards the entire game, and uh, well, at least when they were on the floor together, and he was giving Anthony Edwards a little bit of trouble, and I like that. And there was even times where he was guarding Carl Towns, a guy like that. I think Thibs is going to absolutely love. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday night. The Knicks are about to take on the uh, Chicago Bulls in New York. Uh, this should be a good win, but definitely something of interest to watch. Again, just rotation-wise, we'll love to see what OG Ananobi looks like in, uh, in the Knicks uniform a little bit more. Um, and, and look, I'm excited for them going forward. I think that they, they're definitely poised to make a big move, whether that's this year or the offseason, uh, will remain to be seen. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up for the Knicks uh, they they are 18 and 15 as of right now. They are um, nine and four um, at home, and then they are nine and 11 on the road. So uh, much better at home than on the road. Uh, is that concerning? Maybe, but uh, I think that the Knicks are the Knicks will find themselves in I think the bottom, the middle to the bottom half of the Eastern Conference going into the playoffs for sure. Yeah, honestly, Sam, one thing I'll say about teams having winning records on the road, only really good teams have winning records on the road, and it, the Knicks actually did have a winning record on the road last year, so 9-11 is actually pretty good for a road record. Oh, um, yeah, it, it def- 100. I'm not saying it, it's like a, a concern for me, you know. But they've also, I, played, they've also played seven more road games than home games, so you're going to get some more home games towards the back half of the season. Yeah, they, and they should – and again – if you think if you've gotten your starting lineup to be uh, to be better, which I think a lot of people would agree with this trade, there's no reason why you shouldn't. And there's no reason why they shouldn't start playing better. And again, I think the, the big thing with the Knicks that in, in the past years that, you know, you could talk about the, the roster is better now, obviously. But I think games like tonight where, you know, you're playing a Chicago team that is clearly going to be a team that's going to be selling clearly is a team that's looking forward to uh, the future more so than this year. This is where you got to handle your business. And kind of like you said about the NFL, get out of there. Or what you said, like with the Cowboys, go in end the game early, you know, put your foot down at home. And, and this, maybe this is where you save your guys some minutes, not necessarily on nights off, but, you know, have a 25 point lead going into the fourth quarter and have Jalen Brunson play five minutes in the fourth. You know what I mean? Yep. So, uh, th- just some just some thoughts on the Knicks there. I think there there could be more moves to come. Uh, I, I think they're definitely going to be out there for a um, a big man at some point, whether it be a rental for the rest of the year. Isaiah Hartenstein is great. He has a different layer of offense to the team with uh, his very very willingness, and uh, he's actually a very good passer. Uh, he's a good playmaker. He likes the ball in his hands. It's something that Mitchell Robinson uh, maybe ha- lacked. We'll say again. I think I'm not saying 
Hartenstein is better than Mitchell Robinson, but I think that they're he just adds a different element to this Knicks offense that uh, I'm very intrigued with when when I see him play. So, uh, although again, I think that having a, a if there's a center that comes available that is I want to say elite, you know, like you know a jo- Joel Embiid or anything like that, but I think that the the Knicks it would behoove the Knicks to entertain talks for a big man for sure. Yeah, I think if they really want to try to make a lot of noise in the playoffs, they're going to run into a big in the second round, meaning Giannis or Embiid or um, the Kristaps Porzingis. They're going to have to have a big guy that can go out there and guard. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that Hartenstein can't because he, he he's he's like he's more of an effort defender to me than he is like a technical defender. Like he's going to give you a. 110% every single time out there. No question about But at the end of the day, a guy like Porzingis and a guy like Giannis, ability is definitely going to come into the, the equation here at some point, right? So yeah. um, I think that's inevitable. But you just mentioned the Celtics. Let's let's transition off the Knicks and let's go around the league a little bit. I watched uh, probably one of the more entertaining basketball games of the season so far last night. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder playing the Boston Celtics, which I believe was – I know the Celtics have the best record in the East. The Thunder do not. But I believe there it was a matchup between the two uh, highest net ratings in each uh, conference, I believe. I think the Thunder, as of last night, and the Celtics, as of last night, had the, the highest uh, net ratings. And, look, I, I said this in, in kind of when we talked pre-show. I was gassing it up last night. The Thunder are good, and SGA is super here. Super here. Yeah, SGA, uh, probably a top five player in the NBA right now, the way he's playing. Uh, He's top three in MVP odds, and he's slowly but surely creeping up the list towards the leaders of Jokic and Embiid. Um, The Thunder are one of the most – they're probably the young and exciting team in the league this year. They're probably going to win 50-plus games on pace for a lot more than that. I like them. They might hit a little bit of a wall with their young players. Um, towards the maybe the middle back half of the season, but I think this is a team that we could be talking about in the West Finals. Yeah, I and I agree, and I think that watching them play and, and there are it is just guy after guy after guy that comes in. I mean, Jalen Williams, Shet Holmgren literally looks like KD from time to time. Uh, Josh Giddy, even you know, forget everything off the court for a second, <laughs> but he's a, a real deal playmaker that. He'll drop 20 and 10 any given night, and no one's surprised. And then you have a guy like SGA who, not for nothing, the Celtics are, were a, are they're a great defensive team uh, in today's NBA, and he's given everyone buckets. Everyone was getting buckets. Tatum, Derek White was getting buckets. Oh, he's probably going to be an all-defensive team player. Drew yeah. Holiday, uh, I mean. Was getting torched. And, and when I say getting buckets, I mean – they were – it wasn't like he had a, an average game. I mean, SGA was was going crazy in the first half. The, the final score was a little bit closer than the game actually was. Uh, Thunder win 127-123. to 123. Um, SGA finishes with 36, 14 of 22 from the field, only five free throws made. He was torching the best defense in, in basketball, arguably. And I think that it's definitely not a – it's definitely not a fluke. He's here. The Thunder are here. And, and uh, I'll ask you this. They, they have all these assets. It's very well known that they have just 
an embarrassment of riches in terms of draft capital. Can you see them making a move for a, a big splash like Siakam? Um, Siakam is definitely someone that they could entertain. They also are a team like the Knicks who needs a big that can guard other bigs because Chet is really just meant to play the four for the foreseeable future. Um, they have the other Jalen Williams, but he's undersized um, in terms of height. He's a little bit bigger of a guy, but they don't have the center that can really affect Jokic, affect um, AD, and give them problems in the playoffs. So I think that would be their move. Maybe Jared Allen to the um, to the Thunder would be an interesting trade. I'm not sure if the Cavs are willing to move off him just yet, but if they were, that would be someone I would entertain if I was the Thunder. Um, Presti is going to be very uh, cautious, I feel like, as he always is about making these moves and cashing in these lottery picks. Um, but they are someone that, if he sees a problem and can fix it with not a lot of draft capital being expended, I could see them making a move. And, and not for nothing, I think that if you're if you're Sam Presti here, you have to understand that, like, your team is, like, here, right? Your team is definitely uh, – people are starting to become very much aware that your team is very, very talented. And, and you don't want to risk anything terrible happening that, you know, God forbid SGA gets hurt, right? Or he, he you know, uh, has a season-ending injury, God forbid. Like, you can't – you, you the time is now for the Thunder, right? There, there, there's no more waiting. And I think that if you're him, yeah, you can definitely be cautious. But I think that the, uh, I think that right now, honestly, I think you got to put all your chips on the table and uh, and and really put it all out there. And I think that the Thunder will. And if they continue to play this way, they'll find themselves, like you said, uh, in a in a conference final. And again, I don't think it'll stun anyone. Um, uh, let, let's talk let's let's stay in the west a little bit um let's talk a little bit about a, a team that i don't want to say is flaming out but what's going on with the warriors um they they play their their older guys aren't playing well and steve kerr still likes to play them just recently he finally put pods in the starting lineup they played trace jackson uh trace jackson davis from indiana who i like a lot rookie Played five years in Indiana or four years, five years, I don't remember. But um, another really g- a good athletic big that kind of reminds us of that old Warriors when Draymond would catch the ball in the middle and then lob it up to Looney. Um, Draymond not playing obviously hurts them. Play not living up to what he is. Wiggins is now relegated to 20 to 25 minutes a night. The, Chris Paul hasn't been an answer for them as a – uh, off-season acquisition. It's tough right now as a Warriors fan. Um, you're finally feeling the effects of what happens when guys get older and uh, aren't performing at the level that they were when you were winning championships. Clay Thompson had two catastrophic injuries. It's, it was inevitable that he was probably going to slow down earlier than people wanted to think. Um, we saw it a little last year, but now it's definitely a lot more evident. Um, but I don't know. I don't really like the way Steve Kerr's coaching the team either right now, so might not have the options, but it might not really be possible for this team to do much unless they make a big move. Yeah, and, and realistically, I, I don't see them making a big move. And I, I think that – I don't think that's a bad thing either, but you're right. They're just dealing with the – I guess the the getting towards the back end of a dynasty. And I think that they're, they're slow. They play the game slow. They're trying to incorporate the young guys into the system that was once the most incredible system in all of basketball – 
And now, you know, Steph Curry's unbelievable. He'll he'll be unbelievable till the day he retires. Um, and I think that they, not that they're, you know, flamed out. I think that they're still they'll still be uh, a relevant team for sure. I don't want to you know guarantee them making the playoffs, but they just might have to take this one on the chin this year. And I think that they might they might do what I always criticize the Yankees of doing. Uh, obviously, definitely different circumstances here with the Warriors, but Draymond Green comes back this year, and I think that might just have to be their acquisition. And I, I think that they would be okay with, you know, I guess seeing if they can kind of get one last spark out of this big three and then kind of make any sort of big decisions in the offseason. And to me, that makes more sense than, you know, trying to – unless something – Unless something obviously you know comes their way that kind of or falls into their lap that they can't really resist, I I think that if you're the Warriors, if you're a Warriors fan, I think you just gotta you gotta tough this season out and understand that this might be a tough one. Is it not a disservice to Steph? to not try to make the team better. Because think about this. If this was LeBron's team, you would have already heard the complaints. Steph Curry doesn't yeah. do that. He doesn't call out the GM. He doesn't call out the front office subliminally. Like, so it makes you think, is it a disservice to Steph to not try to improve the roster when he clearly is still at a very, very, very elite level of basketball? Well, so, and I agree with you. You're right. But let me, I'll push back and say, would it be more of a disservice if you know they they make a move like you know trading uh, an Andrew Wiggins or trading uh, a Chris Paul or, or trading someone that has helped them in the past, maybe not you know it has hasn't been living up to their uh, I guess expectations thus far. But uh, is it is it too much of a shift? It w- would my would my rebuttal be? I don't know if it's too much of a shift, but. I think that they have young, good players in Kaminga and Moody that are definitely coveted around the league as, like, if they had more of a role, they could actually be something, guys. And there are some teams out there with some players that might be looking to give them up. Um, Just naming a few off the top of my head, either of the wings in Chicago with Levine or DeRozan. I heard DeJounte Murray is on the block in Atlanta. Um, Could... The Blazers want to move Jeremy Grant. I'm just naming guys that I think would improve your basketball team and at least make it look like, all right, it's it's still – Steph still has a little bit of a prime left. Let's try to get as much out of him because we all know to win a championship, you need a top five-ish player in the league. And Steph Curry probably is still right around that top five level player. So um, – I think personally, if I was the Warriors, if I was a Warriors fan, I'd want them to make a trade to try to improve the roster this season. But I understand your point. Yeah, and, and it's definitely an interesting scenario that they find themselves in. And you mentioned, uh, you mentioned uh, Levine. Could could a Kyle Kuzma help them? Could uh, Seattle help they, them? Yeah, I saw Kuzma was on the block. I don't know if I'd want Kuzma, but um, I mean, but just for the future of the of the Warriors, I mean, like. Kuzma still again. I'm not going to say that he's the perfect piece or anything like that, but could could that be a move that I I think the move that the the Warriors will make it where in the past you know they they might be okay with getting a rental or a guy that can just help them this year, but you know Demar Derozan to me there that doesn't really do it. But someone like you know they want to they want to pay up for a Zach Levine and then you know after I guess Draymond and, and Clay are kind of moved on or, or retired even or just kind of getting a lot less minutes 
maybe it becomes, you know, Steph for the last couple of years and then uh, Zach Levine as your, your power backcourt. I think that's very viable and it could be very interesting. But, uh, yeah, I, they're, they're in an interesting spot uh, along with many other teams. Um, it'll be interesting to see what, what this trade deadline uh, kind of leaves us at. Uh, uh, last, last thing here in the NBA, unless you wanted to bring up anything else, I feel like you can't talk about the NBA without talking about the Lakers. Um, they, we kind of spoke a little bit prior to the show about how, uh, you know, the in-season tournament might have, might be weighing on them a little bit. Uh, they're three and eight since the in-season tournament. They're finding themselves at 500 right now. Uh, the Lakers are playing tonight, uh, in a home game against the heat. That'll be a, a definitely an interesting matchup to watch, but, uh, what do you think the Lakers do? What does uh, the GM do here to kind of right the ship? Um, I mean, D'Andre Russell has to go. Has he to go. Is, he is terrible. He doesn't allow Austin Reeves to have the ball in his hands enough. Um, that's number one. Number two, which they started doing a little bit, LeBron playing more point guard for them. I think that's definitely the model that they're going to have to rock with to win. AD needs to just continue being a beast. He's been playing – like. The the jokes are about the Lakers are AD street close street close. Well, he's played seventy eight of the last eighty two Lakers games, I believe. So he's kind of shook off that. As I say that, he'll probably get hurt. Um, <laughs> uh, listen, they haven't they haven't been healthy all at once, really, and definitely playing some super meaningful games in December. The beginning of December might have hurt them a little bit, but. I think we talked about the schedule beat was a little more difficult. They lost to a lot of good teams. Obviously, the ba- they had a bad loss to the Bulls. But um, I'm not worried about the Lakers. They'll finish as a top six seed. I would see. I assume they will be out of the playing tournament. But I'm just not sure what the move is because, like we talked about, there aren't really a lot of players out there. Like, are the Utah Jazz looking for to to move Larry Markkinen? I don't think they are. Um, Trailblazers, Jeremy Grant, Zach Levine, Demar Derozan. DeJounte Murray, like those are the guys that are out there. And I'm not really sure any of those guys are great fits for the Lakers. Um, but we'll have to see what they kind of do. But I'm not worried about them. They have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah, and, and I think that kind of what I said about the Warriors too, where if you're the Lakers, not not LeBron, right, just the Lakers front office, I guess, uh-huh. I feel like you're at a point where you have to kind of start thinking about your future past LeBron as well. And I think that, any sort of big move that they're going to make in the past, you know, you might've been able to to move a young guy or two to get a piece that'll just help you this year. I feel like they're approaching the kind of territory where that's not the case, where the front office is going to kind of, I don't want to say veto or use their veto power of any, of any sort, but they're going to say, look, we need to start making moves with our future in mind and not just this year. So uh, it, again, that, that brings me to guys like a, like a Siakam or like a, uh, like you said, like a Zach Levine's one of those younger a Lowry marketing. If they can pay up for that, uh, again, I don't know if the Jazz would would move off uh, uh, Lowry marketing just because he's so so valuable and so young. But something like that, I think, would be of of very much interest to the Lakers. So, uh, I mean, maybe uh, the the Heat are kind of playing over their heads, but could we see like a Tyler Hero trade? Uh, I mean, the, he's been thrown around the off season here and there. It, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but. Uh, about a month until the the trade deadline uh, or so. So a lot of basketball to be played. Again, the Knicks are about to tip off uh, right now um, against the Chicago Bulls. So uh, definitely want to be locked into that. But uh, a- anything else you want you want to throw in before we get out of here? 
Yeah, I'm running down a few things. Ready? Go ahead. All right, number one. Last time I was on this podcast, I told you Timberwolves over wins was an absolute lock of the century, and they are the number one team in the West. So thank nice. you. Good luck if you tailed. Um, I love the Sixers this year. We didn't talk about them. Max, he's an all-star. Love the way he's played this year. Love the way Embiid's played this year. And they have a nice supporting cast, but they need a little more wing depth. And bet well, I'll say better wing depth. They have wing depth, but it's not yeah. good depth. Yeah. Um, the, we both like the Magic and the Pacers on the NBA preview. They are currently the five and six seed, four and five games over 500 respectively. Um, I told you beware of a Cavs drop-off. They're sitting at the eight seed right now. It was worse three weeks ago. Um, that's better. And then lastly, beware <laughs> of the Dallas Mavericks. In what Kyrie, sense? Kyrie hasn't played in a little bit. Luka took over, kind of kept them afloat. They're four games over right now. I could see them potentially making a push um, with Kyrie and Luka healthy and playing very well where we could see them in a Western Conference Finals. Wow, interesting. See, I, I'll real quick. I'll just hit on the last thing. I don't see it with the with the Mavericks. I think they they're uber talented. I understand that they're playing. They're they've been playing well, and Kyrie's been hurt. But I their defense absolutely scares me. And unless they make uh -huh. another, unless they make a big move for a really good defender, um, I I will be forever weary of them. Uh, come playoff time, so. Yeah, uh, look, the, the Mavs was the Mavs was the bull prediction for sure. Yeah, so uh, uh, it, it's it, it, I like it. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of bull predictions. You know me. I'm always I'm always trying to put trying to be the first uh, first foot in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, oh I'll wait, that. wait. Can you give Can you give your thoughts on the Clippers real quick? They're good, I, and I think that I, I, the problem with the Clippers, and I think that it's. They're a team of guys that, look, they've been there. You know what the Clippers are. Everyone on the Clippers, you can kind of just – they're just a, a team of just – I don't want to say have been stars, but guys that are – have all been a star on their own team at one point, right? And I think that when things are going well and, like, they are going well right now and they're playing very well right now, I think things are going to work. My problem with the Clippers is – if someone if they get a couple bad losses in a row, maybe someone gets a little bit banged up and has to sit out a week. You know, you know, Kawhi's always good for a couple. You know, a couple games missed. Uh, Russell Westbrook is always up for a couple games missed. They have a lot of guys that are kind of teetering. When they're all healthy and they're all clicking, they're a great team. Uh, I'm concerned about the first domino to fall there and what that does for the momentum. Is my thought. Okay. Like you, like you yeah. know that. You know that one of those guys is going to miss a week at some point, you know? Yeah, yeah I'm a little weary of the Suns, too, but we'll talk about that another time. Yeah, def oh, look, there's there's so much basketball to be played. Well, you'll, well I'll have you on again before uh, before the trade deadline in February yeah. for sure. But, uh, a lot of basketball to be played. Thank you for uh, for filling in. I mean, what kind of what kind of co-host uses a PTO day three days into the year? Hey, listen, you picked your staff, not me. <laughs> That's true, so. All right, Brandon, thank you very much. I'm getting out of here. I want to go watch the Knicks. Um, thank you all for listening, and peace out. Peace.